Hi, you're listening to Plug Into Grow, a food and urban agriculture podcast that helps raise awareness about local food and environmental issues in the region of Peel. The Plug Into Grow podcast is hosted by the Young Urban Growers, a group of youth leaders from the region of Peel who are empowering our communities to take action to build sustainable food systems. My name is Deanna, and I'm joined with Samantha from Young Urban Growers. Today we're talking about biodiversity in urban centres and community engagement in gardens. Samantha, tell us about why biodiversity and pollination is important to you and the Young Urban Growers. Well, as we're going to talk about in our interview today, pollinators are so key in our environment and supporting our local food systems and our communities. As well, I've had a history working with Credit Valley Conservation and Ecosource in community gardens to help grow pollinator gardens. So it was super interesting for me to hear about other people working on the same kind of initiative. Yeah, that's amazing, all those different connections. Uh, Recently, you had a chance to sit down with Jeannie from Blooming Boulevards, an organization that works to promote awareness around the importance of pollinators, biodiversity in urban centers, and how that can look in different neighborhoods in Mississauga. Let's tune in. So today we're going to be talking about Blooming Boulevard and so just to start off I wanted to ask you if you could tell me about Blooming Boulevard and kind of what it is and what was the motivation behind it. Um, Blooming Boulevard is a not-for-profit organization. Um, We are just setting this up. We only just started in April. Okay. (laughs) And it is an idea that I had um, when I was taking a course for my horticulture certificate at the University of Guelph, and we had a project to do, uh, and I decided to explore boulevard gardens. A while ago, this is in 2015, we had uh, several neighbors who had gardens on the boulevard in Mississauga, and by boulevard I mean between the sidewalk and the road, and just that strip and we put flowers there. And a neighbor complained about our garden (laughs) because at that time it was city deemed, and it still is deemed city property. But anybody that decided to put anything but grass on that strip uh, was regarded as someone who was encroaching on city property and there was, we we got orders to remove what we had done and uh, restore it to its former weed-ridden glory. And so our counselor, uh, this was in Ward 1 down by the lake in Mississauga, uh, suggested that we go take a deputation to city council and ask that the bylaw be amended to allow for boulevard gardens, for people to garden on the boulevard, which is what I did. And we, we were able to get the bylaw amended in Mississauga, so that allows everyone, anybody that wants to, can apply for a permit uh, and um, put a garden in the boulevard. And that, that was the basis of my project at University of Guelph, and I just decided to build on that. So I uh, then contacted our Ward 1 counselor, and he uh, put me in touch with Jim Judge from the Small Arms Society. And we put together a board of directors. And our idea is to put native plants on the boulevard. 
and these are native plants and what the native plants do is provide habitat for our local native bees who are in grave trouble. Their populations have declined especially in the past decade and here in Mississauga we have we're at the, at the northern end of the Carolinian zone where we have it's supposed to have more species than anywhere else in Canada. Okay and uh, these because of the urbanization especially very intense urbanization around the lake the species have been in in precipitous decline so to protect the bees to provide them from habitat for habitat um, we're planting native wildflowers that seeds are locally gathered so that they have evolved at the same time that our local bees have evolved and they're to complement each other and then the bees can um, travel from garden to garden. And we were hoping that people throughout Mississauga will be on board with this and want these gardens. And um, we put in 14 gardens this, since um, this summer. They're all flourishing and beautiful. Uh, we seeded a 6,000 square foot meadow which will start producing wildflowers and seeds next year. Um, we can harvest those seeds and use those for our boulevard garden for next year. Wow. That's a long answer to your <laughs> short question. One thing that you did mention that I wanted to pull out for listeners was you mentioned there's a lot of species because we are at the northern tip of the Carolinian forest. Yes. I believe, is that 400 species of pollinators in our area? That's true. So I know a lot pollinators of Pollinators are not... That's 400 species of bees, not pollinators. Wow. So we have many more. There are all the butterflies. Yeah. There are the hummingbirds. There are beetles. There's even flies who are pollinators. Well, anything that lands on a flower and then goes to visit another flower is a pollinator. Yes, well, I think that's so key to think about because sometimes we don't realize just the mass of species and things like that that we yeah. need to protect and that are in danger. That's right. So one thing in particular we were wondering was... Why does Blooming Boulevards focus on creating pollinator gardens specifically along residential streets? Yeah, because we want this to be up close and personal. One of the things that we say we're about is connecting neighborhoods to nature. So I was wondering what the process you go through is to decide which residential streets or neighborhoods get these gardens. We are doing, a, we have a, a big outreach program. Okay, so outreach includes uh, setting up a booth at the Mississauga Garden Festival, for example, uh, where we signed up members. We told people about this, showed them pictures of the gardens, showed them pictures of plants. In fact, we had plants to give away to anybody that had signed up to be a new net member. We're trying to recruit members. We've got a beautiful website, www.bloomingboulevards.org where you can sign up and be a member. It's only $10 for an annual membership. Um, and, you know, members can volunteer. Members are eligible to apply for a garden, okay? And by apply, I mean if you, you, you need to have a promise that you'll put your boulevard garden. This has to be right there on the street, okay? Beside the street where people are walking. Um, and then... People get 50 plants for free. Wow. 50. And that's quite a lot. Plants are valuable. You're getting great value. But not only that, the plants are healthy, big, readily established. They're all 
plants that have been curated, selected, to stagger bloom times throughout the summer. So there always will be three plants blooming at any given time all during the summer, which is what bees need. They're plants with different shapes and sizes, so they attract both bees and butterflies because they like different types of flower heads. There's some grasses in there that attract other types of insects. They're drought resistant and they can tolerate salt. Okay, and that means that you don't, that conserves water. You don't have to water it to keep it healthy. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. It sounds amazing. So that website was www.bloomingboulevards.com? Dot org. Dot org. Yeah, okay. that's right. Well, I'm sure our listeners will be eager to visit your website yeah. and learn more. Now, it sounds like you're gaining a lot of momentum and you're really picking up speed for something so new. I was wondering what your goals for the upcoming years would be. Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. So plans for next year are to extend our gardens, you know, to make sure that people know that how important it is, what they're doing. It also is to teach people about what they're doing. So for part of our outreach program, we have workshops program, a whole beautiful workshop program. For September, it's building bee hotels. Um, and we have, uh, you know, a series of experts who are expert advisors who are going to present the workshops. And we also have people who can be guest presenters. So we're going to talk about propagation, seed gathering. We're going to talk about soils. We're going to talk about um, know your weeds, be able to recognize that. And all about bees and just all kinds of great stuff. You know, the goal ultimately is to divide the project into phases. So right now we're in our three-year pilot project phase. Okay, then we'll move beyond that. We want to try and put in 25 to 50 gardens every year uh, extra and just to grow exponentially. And then when we have all of those gardens, the management will be that we will get local neighborhood clusters, people who are really um, keen and engaged to steward these gardens as teams. Okay. And that's our goal. Kind of like what you do at EcoSource. You have the, you know, special clusters of gardens and programs in each place. Well, it really does sound like there's big things to come. And yes, I just can't are. wait to see, yeah. So just on a bit of a different note, what role do pollinators play in urban cities like Mississauga? Oh my. If the plant has a flower, it is capable of making a seed and grow a new plant. So that flower has to be fertilized in order to make its seed. And flowers are fertilized either by wind or by pollinators. More plants are fertilized by pollinators okay, than they are by wind. It's as simple as that. So if we want, if we want to have any plants in the city, we need pollinators. And it's not just food plants, it's ornamental plants, but it's also trees, okay? And um, without the pollinators, we won't have plants. Now, without the plants, we don't have animals, okay? <laughs> we have no ecosystem, no natural ecosystem. We have no soil holding ability. 
So our soil, there's no roots, then it would be an environmental disaster. Well, thank you. That was a super insightful answer. And I'm sure we can glean from that just how important it is for us to have these pollinators and this ecosystem to continue going in Mississauga or any like large city, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Other than the obviously vital role the pollinators play to our ecosystem, I was wondering if this project offered any other benefits just to the citizens in the area and things like that. Yes, it does. (laughs) Okay, health benefits. Okay, it's water conservation as well. Okay, so just in terms of mental well-being, okay, relaxation, it is absolutely lovely, okay, to have green around you, and but it's not just the green of grass. Grass is what's called a monoculture, where it's all the same plant growing. This is a variety of plants, um, and they support a variety of uh, a biodiverse sort of variety of different animal activities. So even in the winter time, you have seed heads and little birds perched on there. It's just fun to watch and delightful. It, it makes people happy. Okay, and then the other health benefit is that it gets people out walking. Okay, so and people have told me, uh, gee, normally, uh, you know, I rush past, I walk my dog for a block and then bring him back home, okay. But now there's this beautiful street with all these gardens, so if I walk further around the street so I can get to that and see the gardens and then come back, it's just a nicer walk. One thing personally I know is maintaining grass is such a pain, you know, you have to um, mow it, water it, weed it. And so even if it's a selfish reason, one motivation to maybe have a blooming boulevard garden yourself is just yeah. easy maintenance, right? That's right. Yeah. Now, how do pollinators impact our local food systems? Um, well, of course, they're the ones that pollinate the plants and help the food, you know, plants make more plants. Mm-hmm. Okay, and basically that's it. Uh, but we eat the 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 seeds, the fruit. Okay, the nuts, the apples, the plums. <laughs> Um, so anybody with an urban, you know, that's interested in urban agriculture, and that's another big thing that we need to use our cities for now, and all of the extra spaces that we have in our city and the rooftops, um, uh, and community gardens like the ones that EcoSource uh, promotes and makes available to people. They won't. There won't be those fruits and vegetables without pollinators. Wow. If you you look online and you can see sometimes they have uh, I've seen photographs of what a grocery store looks like with pollinators and then what the produce aisles look like if there were no pollinators okay and they're empty <laughs> so there you go is there anything our listeners at home can do to support pollinator biodiversity. They can become a member of Blooming Boulevard, <laughs> and we will teach them all about bees and, um, and pollinators. Um, they can donate. Okay, that will, that will help us do our work as well. Those are such key points, and I'm sure our listeners will be sure to do some of the things you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to you personally to be doing this work within the community? Oh, thank you for asking that. You're, uh, the questions are terrific. I... I have a seven-year-old granddaughter, okay, 
Uh, I have two children, two daughters, lovely, okay, that are in their early 40s. They're going to be alive, okay, especially my granddaughter. And I want them to have a good world to be living in. I don't want them to be suffering, okay, because of the collapse of the environment. Um, and I'm happy to do everything I possibly can, anything I can, to make a difference, okay? And I think that if you care about the environment and quality of life for the future, for members of your family or just humanity in general, or if you don't care about humanity but you care about the earth and the planet, then doing nothing, I think, is unacceptable. Okay, I think that everybody has to do something. And I think that if everybody does something, no matter how small, okay, that that will help. The key here is action, to commit to something, and not just say this is what you want, okay, but to actually do something. And so it's important to me, and this is, I am doing the very best I can to help. Okay, and I'm providing an opportunity for other people, showing them away. Okay, and using all of my skills and knowledge to be able to help them do that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us, and mm -hmm. you know that's a very moving personal anecdote, and it can help a lot of us to see like why it's just so important for us to take action now and use our voice while we can. So that's right. Thank you very much. And I actually have just one final question um, to wrap this up. I wanted to ask, what advice would you like to share with youth in the community who want to live a more sustainable life and help support biodiversity and our pollinator species? <laughs> First of all, I'd like those people to understand that they have power, okay? Uh, they have a great deal of power, okay? They also have responsibilities, okay? Just because they're young doesn't mean that they don't have responsibilities. They can't pass that off on other people. Young people are able to, to be articulate and to persuade others they can have an effect, okay? Just like old people can. I don't think that anybody is exempt. I think if we're alive and walking around on the planet that you're important and that you you can take some action and make some, make a difference. Well, thank you so much. And yeah. It's so important for us to hear about the power that we have as yeah. youth. So I'm sure we'll all take that into account and take some new action in yeah. the coming days and I'll work towards having a more sustainable yeah. society. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow, that was a really great conversation. Um, Samantha, what's something new that you learned or what will you take away from this conversation to live a more sustainable life? Well, this interview I think was so powerful and so moving, especially hearing Jeannie's point of view on things like the power of our words and our actions as youth. So I definitely want to make sure that I'm doing more than just saying when it comes to working around pollinators and things like that. As well, I'd love to see myself and other youth going and looking for more native plants when we're making our gardens or even talking to our parents if we're a little bit younger about, you know, integrating native plants into our gardens at home. Yeah, that's true. And I really liked Jeannie's perspective on how you can do something no matter how small it is um, and that you have, you have power. There's power in your actions. Um, so thanks so much, Samantha and Jeannie, for sharing this conversation with us. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Young Urban Growers from Ecosource, an environmental education nonprofit based in Mississauga, Ontario. The Plug Into Grow podcast is generously supported by the Ontario Trillium Foundation and TELUS Friendly Futures Foundation. Visit ecosource.ca to learn more and connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ecosource Green. Now go plant a seed in your community.